I gotta get a new uh, intro. Who's your Who's your announcer? Is that Buddha Bhavana? No, no, it's it's a devotee from England. Okay, I think all British devotees sound the same. So. <laughs> oh, I think we're peaking. Peaking. Hello, hello, hello. Hey, everyone. It's Namras. This is the late morning program uh, with yours truly, and uh, haven't done this in a while. But uh, we're doing this with my brother-in-law and my dear friend, Venkata Bhatta. Bibidi, hey, how's it going? It's going well. Yeah. It's great to be back. I was just, before we started rolling, just commenting on how surreal this is. Because I think the last time I was here was, what, two years ago? Yeah, 2018. Like, equipment was different. The whole... Look at my studio now. It's studio, like amazing. You didn't really even have a studio. Oh, sorry. Very nice. Very nice. Yeah. So, um, what have you been up to since friggin' March? COVID, COVID hit us. I had a, I had a, uh, I had a um, episode with Dina Bandu, and we were. It was like in February, and we were talking about COVID nineteen, and we we're like, I was like, uh, I don't think it's going to be that bad. Like, it's going to go away Isn't soon. Isn't that wild? Six months later, we're still at it. I remember, like, yeah, probably probably mid-February, late February. And I remember kind of like in a very snarky way thinking about all the people wearing masks. Yeah. I, you know, I go to NYU part-time and um, oh, NY that's right. NYU is a really large East Asian community. There's like a lot of Chinese students like, yeah. from China. And um, oh, right. given the fact that, you know, everything started in Wuhan, um, as far as we know, there were like a lot of students of Chinese origin and a lot of students directly from China who I think kind of were, were keyed in to like how serious this thing is yeah. early on. Yeah. And I remember walking across campus being like, is it just me or are there like more students wearing masks? And kind of, I remember even telling Krishungi like, like that's so weird. Like, why would you do that? And, yeah. and here we are. And like, I actually, this is one of the few times I've like, I'm not wearing my mask. It's just like become such a part of who I am now. Right. You know? And that's like only in a matter of months. So yeah, totally hear you. It's like, it's surreal. It's bizarre. And, and have you, it's where we are now. Have you been like kind of like coping with quarantine? Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, I think I've been coping with it. Um, in some ways, I, I don't want to make light of it, but in some ways, I feel like I'm thriving. Um, a lot of people say that. Yeah, I think I, I feel like that a little bit. I, I've heard it's like it, it's kind of gone on like extrovert introvert lines. Yeah, and um, some people are surprised to find this out about myself. I think I was surprised to find this out about myself. But I, I really identify much more as an introvert than an extrovert. I think right. a, a lot of people assume because I do things like public speaking or giving classes or stuff like that, yeah. that, um, you know, and, I, and I, it's, it's not like I, I don't, I don't dislike being around people. I don't feel uncomfortable. I'm, I'm definitely not shy. Yeah. But when it comes to, and, and I think someone explained it really nicely, I, I forget where this is from, but that the question, the key question to ask is like, where do you get your nourishment? Mm. Um, what, what, like what feeds you? Right? Yeah. And when I think about it that way, like what nourishes me is not really being around too many people, not really being around people. It's, yeah. it's really that kind of like alone time, that downtime and all of that. So it was a little bit of a rough transition initially, but once I think, you know, I, I kind of figured out what it was going to look like, I, it's, it's been really great in some respects. I mean, I, I I'm doing the whole zoom thing, um, working from home, 
trying to stay in touch with students and friends and yeah. you know colleagues because you you do like for people who don't know um venkata he's a chaplain at uh, princeton university hindu chaplain that's right so yeah. you counsel students and you meet with students have bhagavad gita class yeah what other things do you do? it's it's a it's a mix it's a mix of like what i would say is uh programmatic and and uh pastoral so there's like hosting events guest speakers classes things like that but it's also just like that one-on-one -on -one, um which you know usually it would be in person yeah. and and often like over like coffee or tea or right. you know, a meal or something like that yeah so that we had to sort of you know switch gears and but even that you know like i think through things like zoom and just setting up like facetime zoom one-on-ones i think we could make it work it's not exactly the same thing but but it, you know it's been working pretty well. So I think in in those respects I'm feeling pretty good. Um, spiritually, I have to say, and and I'm sure others you know have expressed similar things where it's like it's put a lot of things in perspective. It's yeah. given um, it's given us a little bit of a kind of a, a shot in the arm and a boost as far as like recommitting oh to sadhana, recommitting to certain practices. Not because we feel like we have to, but because like gosh, this is like such like an opportunity totally to like get closer to Krishna in a way that feels really natural and organic and sweet and doesn't feel like artificial and institutional. Yeah. Um, so that's been really amazing. I think like, I mean, if I, if I can say so, um, I feel more connected to Krishna now than, than I have in a long time. I feel like my chanting is, you know, it's, it's weird. We don't usually like talk about our chanting in a positive sense. Yeah. Like it's always like something you're struggling like, oh, with. Man, I'm like, I suck at chanting. I'm such a bad chanter. <laughs> yeah. Like I have no taste. Right. And it's, it's true um, in yeah. the sense of like, we, we should be like critical um, and, and should strive to improve. And I think we should also celebrate like when, when things are working well and not that I don't have like a long way to go, but, but I'm getting glimpses of like, Oh, chanting actually can be a really sweet, like, Something like Sachinandan Swami, who's really become more and more of like a sort of a spiritual hero to me. Something he likes to say is like, or he likes to emphasize is our chanting, our sadhana in general, but especially our chanting is like this sweet, intimate, like one-on-one -on -one time with Krishna. It's like yeah. our time to be with Krishna and put everything else aside. And I feel like just trying to be a little conscious of that and um, being in this setting of quarantine where it's like a little bit easier to set everything aside, mm. at least, you know, in the mornings or during that time, it's been pretty amazing. Yeah. So I've been really like, I mean, I'm, I'm really, really grateful for that. In other ways, you know, we all have our challenges. I think one thing, if I'm being totally honest, that's like been quite challenging about this is there's a little bit of a, an information overload. There's like a content overload it's amazing how many things. Oh, are, are you talking about online? like lots of Zoom classes and stuff? Zoom saturation. Oh my god, heavy Zoom saturation. Let me tell you, I I can't handle that. You know, I'm already on the computer like x number of hours per day i don't want to stay longer on the computer you yeah. know like devotees asking me like come on go you gotta attend this class and stuff like i can't man i'm like it's it's too much off yeah yeah i hear you i think part of it is like that sort of like um just the intensity of like always being connected to our devices and you know for most of us work now means being glued to your computer it's horrible but i think there's also this other dimension where um I, I have this theory that like ISKCON invented FOMO before like FOMO was a thing. What do you mean? I think it's like a thing in like kind of devotee culture, like ISKCON culture. Oh it's just, like, yeah, I know what you're talking about. We make ourselves feel so, and we make each other sometimes feel so shitty for like not being at something. Right? Yeah. It's like, oh, like, 
you didn't attend that. That was the best class ever. Like yes. of, of like the, you know, 786,000 classes that like Radhanath Swami ever gave this one. Yeah. was I know. the one that like, if you weren't in it, like, you know, <laughs> you're like missing out on the secret to Krishna consciousness. Like, right, right, right. And I think sometimes, you know, obviously like, I don't think we intentionally do that to, to put each other down or to make yeah. each other feel like pressured. Um, I think sometimes it's coming from a place of just like enthusiasm to yeah. share, but, but it's been hard. Cause it's like, you have to be at this, you have to tune into this. Um, and sometimes there's like guilt that goes with not doing it. There's a feeling of like, am I missing out? Yeah. Um, so that's what I mean about the FOMO piece. And then like, it's just, there's so much. There's so, so I think, much. Yeah, you know, when I when I look at it, I think like after this quarantine thing, my life has become like so much more simple. Like it's like, I know what I have to do. Like I know I have to chant. I know I have to like hear. I know I have to read and stuff like that. And it's like, that's all I have to do. There's not like, it's not like, so it doesn't have to be so complicated. Yeah. And I think I complicate it myself. Like, like you're saying like so many classes and things like classes are great and all that stuff. But like, let's just keep it for myself. I'd like to keep it simple. Like let's, I have a certain sadhana that I do. And then I have my family duties and I have my duties to my job and things yeah. like that. And I have to like keep it. At, so you have to learn how to cap it at some point. Like you gotta, you gotta be careful or else, like you said, it's going to be like over system overload. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, it's, it's, it's capping it. It's also like just practicing discernment. I think one of my favorite words over discernment. the years has become discernment. Yeah. Um, I, I love this idea of discernment um, because I think it's just, it's so critical, right? Where it's just like, okay, I'm going to make a decision. I'm going to listen to this with a full heart, with my full attention. But, I, but also there are going to be times where I'm going to say, listen, this is great. This is amazing. Maybe I'll listen to it later. Maybe I won't, but I'm making this decision. Yeah. Um, that requires, I think that requires discernment. I think it requires kind of knowing yourself and knowing like what is pushing yourself to maybe add something that is like spiritually nourishing Yeah. and what is just like jumping on a bandwagon. Mm. Um, so, so, um, switching gears here. So when I, when you first came back in, uh, 2018, we were meant to talk about something yeah. that we didn't really touch on at all. Yeah. And that was what, what is commonly called i don't even is it just the title of a dandavats article i don't know the hinduization of iskon i don't even know what where that came from yeah but um i wanted to touch on that a little bit and i have a few people who who i love uh you know who are my friends and who, who i love to hear about what they have to say about this you being one of them chaitanya nanda being one of them uh and a few others but let's talk about that a little bit like what is that where did that come from and like in in today's day and age, in today's ISKCON, what where does that fit in, and like what are your thoughts about it? Yeah, yeah, great question. Um, it's tough. I mean, before I, I I'll you know I'll try my best. I'll jump into it and we'll see where it goes. <laughs> I know you're you know don't put the filter. We we I know Krishangi's listening. I'm and... married to the filter. Okay, I can't like <laughs> not put the filter. For those who don't know, Krishangi's my sister, and uh, and she's like a, a very Great devotee, I would Kr say. Krishangi is Nam's sister, my wife, and basically this really saintly person yes. that encourages us to lean towards our best selves. Let's put it that way. <laughs> that's a good way. <laughs> that's, a, that's a gracious way of putting it. Yeah. Um, and sometimes 
Nam and I like to lean away from our best selves and get into a space of maybe having a little bit more fun with zingers and, you know, um, controversy, controversy and kind of like digging in tongue and in cheek down and very tongue in cheek. Yes. I think with good intention, right? I don't of course, think we're like Listen, trying to be haters. This podcast is all about real talk and real people. This is called the vicious thing. Real talk, real people and uh, real topics to talk about, you know, things that you're not going to hear in a class. Yeah. This is what we talk That's about. That's a great way of putting it. Yeah. So please. Yeah. Um, and preface it as, as whatever you wanted to say. Yeah, I, I don't no, want to interrupt I, you. I think, no, and I'm glad. I, and thank you for sort of, um, you know, giving me the kind of the freedom to do that. Sure, sure. Um, it's, it's complicated. And I think there's like lots of things that are meant by that. So I'm not sure if I can, like, I don't want to claim to like, to, to do justice to like the whole conversation. I think it's like an ongoing conversation. Right. Um, and to be honest with you, I'm not exactly sure what that term means. Part of my frustration is I don't even know what it means. I think it's become kind of like a buzzword, which I think is part of the problem, right? It's like, right. it's easy to just sort of talk about it as if it's a thing, um, without ever defining your terms, without actually right, ever right. like backing it up with anything. Right. It's just sort of easier to just go, Oh, Hinduization of Iskand again, or there, there we go. Or, you know what I mean? Like it's if sort of I intellectually could... lazy or something. Right. Let me, let me say what I think it means. Please. Uh, the, our temples, mostly in North America, are, are majority Indians. Okay. Indian people have joined, joined in the sense of not coming to live in the temple, but have come to be devotees. And yeah. um, I have to say, just, just for a, a second, like, just when you said that, for some reason, and this just shows you how, like, bizarre my mind is, when you said that, I suddenly had this image of like a bunch of Native American people like joining the local ISKCON temple. Cause like when I grew up, it was like <laughs> Indians. Oh, okay. Like, okay. I thought you were going to say like that makes them second class because they didn't join the temple. No, no, I, I am going to get there. But okay. I just, I just want to point out <laughs> yes. that like if we met a bunch of Native Americans, like, right. like members of like the, you know, like Cherokee tribe or something, this would be a very different conversation. Right. 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 Go ahead. Anyway, uh, that, so then, so then, Activities and and things in Iskon have a flavor of the people who have been the majority for the past twenty years. No, fifteen years. I don't know. Depends on who you ask, I guess. Right? Yeah, exactly. So you know, the the the, the prashadam is spicy. The uh, the classes are sometimes in Indian language. And now you're making me nervous about saying Indian. Uh, you can say Indian. I'm Indian just, languages, uh, Indian, uh, everything has kind of gotten a, a spin of of Indian ISKCON. Okay. And so the old older devotees have complained or don't are not happy with the food being spicy or they're not being western devotees or local people the people of the locality to join krishna consciousness and so there's this kind of tension yeah would you say that's right i think so but i think you know even there and i think you did a great job of like sort of trying thank to you. encapsulate it thank you um even there you see already just in trying to like articulate it how problematic that is right like like what the hell is a local person right we're, we're here in by the way for the, for those who don't know we're in northern new jersey what is this town called um, montville montville yeah um not far from parsippany right um who's a local parsippany resident right the local neighborhood itself has so many people of indian origin yes so if we're trying to be like ultra local People like, say that so much. We have to preach to the local people. Yeah, I think that it, 
God, that is such a problematic statement. Like literally every word. <laughs> Tell only, me why. Tell me why. The only word I don't, the only word I don't have a problem with in that sentence literally is the word the. Like where do we start? <laughs> we have to preach. Okay, let's let's get into what preaching. Oh my god, is, that's too funny. Right, and like why we have this imperative to do that, and like yes, if there's like I I mean it, I'm I'm hard pressed to find like a cringier word right now. Like in the you know we're like we're living in 2020. Do people want to be pre do you want to be preached at? Like, I don't, let me tell you, like, I honestly, maybe I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm over 40 now. Let's put it that way. Um, maybe I'm just getting like, like I'm turning into a cranky old man. I'm like losing patience for stuff. Okay. One of the things I don't have patience for is people who preach to me or preach at me, Yeah. whether it's religious, whether it's a political cause, whether it's, you know, an ideology, whatever. Yeah. I don't like it. Yeah. Right. When I'm walking, I don't think anyone would like it. When I'm walking through, um, well, when I was, you know, pre pre COVID, but like when I would be commuting into New York and I would like be at, you know, Port Authority or whatever. Yeah. And like someone would come up to me and ask me, you know, do I want to like learn more about like Scientology or like Jehovah's? It's like, no, I don't. Yeah. yeah. And not only do I not want to know more about that, but there's something that almost is like, and I'm not like, not that there weren't like really polite, beautiful, you know, wonderful people doing that yes but the whole like underlying kind of like feeling of like we have the truth and we need to like give it to you and like put it on you whatever it's just yeah. like i have an aversion to that right and i'm sure some of your listeners maybe you know are pushing back and disagreeing that's fine but i have an aversion to that so if i have an aversion to that myself why in the world would i want to subject someone else to that mm. even if i feel like what i have and, you know, what I've been blessed with and, and, you know, the grace that I've received is amazing. And I want to share that, right? Sharing is a different thing. Does it, that's what I going to ask you. So does that make, does that make you not want to share it? No, it doesn't. No, but it makes me want to think like a million times about how to share it. Yes. Right? Good point. Um, you know, and, and like, there's this beautiful quote that's often attributed to St. Francis of Assisi that where he's, you know, the, the, the quote goes, I've heard it attributed to different people, but let's say that St. Francis version, it's um, go out and preach. In this case, you know, the, the Christian gospel, go out and preach, use words if you must. Oh, yeah. I just love that idea. That's so beautiful. So if, if by preaching, we mean sharing in terms of our own personal example, in terms of like sharing our hearts of like what what lights our hearts on fire, what lights us up, what gives us inspiration Yeah. with someone who's actually open to that, who's actually hearing it, who's actually hungering for it and asking us about it. Beautiful. Amazing. Mm. Right. Um, that's, that to me is not preaching. That's like a heart to heart connection. That's, that's, that's so, um, it's so intrinsic to who we are. Um, but this, this idea of preach Anyway, I mean, we could go off on a whole thing, but yeah, yeah. But I, it's such a loaded, difficult word. So, right. So, what was the sentence? Preach to the locals. So, preach and then preach to. Again, preach to, preach at. Right. Preach at. It's yeah. like this kind of like directive, like targeting. Um, the word the I'm going to let go because I think that's the, the only decent word in that sentence. And then locals. What is a local? Who's a local? Local means the 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 people who have, the white people. Well, that's the subtext, right? <laughs> I think that's, it's a euphemism, right? Preach to the locals. In other words, preach It's to, totally a euphemism. And so, but but I would really push back, right? We live, again, maybe there's some places where the locals really are all white people, yeah. right? Um, that itself is problematic for different reasons. And I don't know that we should be like feeding into that or legitimizing it, right? There's a reason why there's some areas that are like 
completely white. And they're not very good reasons. There's because people of color and, and others have been like kept out of those those areas. Right. But even putting that aside, for most places that I think you and I are thinking of, like here in New Jersey and New York and LA, whatever, the locals should is and should be a category that's very diverse, that's very mixed, and that should include people of Indian origin. Like, why wouldn't we want people of Indian origin to connect with a tradition that is so like inextricably tied to and rooted in the culture, the traditions, the history of the country that we now call India or the region that we now call South Asia, if you want yeah. to even go broader. Yeah. Um, it just seems weird to me. It seems artificial to say, well, that's not really like, quote unquote, preaching to the locals. Mm. But again, I think, you know, what we end up with is, um, I think the reason that there are statements like that is it's a, it's a more socially acceptable, euphemistic way of saying, go after the white the white folks and i think that's what we need to like really investigate like where where, did, did, where does that come from i was just going to ask you that where does that come from we'll be right back after this <laughs> commercial break uh, we're having we're having some technical difficulties there no i you know it it's it's tough it's an uncomfortable conversation where it comes from um i think it comes from a couple of different places mm. and um I think you have to look at it in the context. For, 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 of hold on, let's 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 hold on for a second. Yeah. For those of people who are listening right now who don't know your background, give me in a few sentences when you joined, what you were doing, blah 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 blah. Because you could just be some Indian guy from Princeton, for all I know. But but I respect the your history as a devotee, as a you know you were part of uh, Iskand. Anyway, tell us tell us a little bit in a few sentences. So your I'm, your your resume in spiritual life. Uh, I am uh, an Indian man from <laughs> Princeton, New Jersey. Um. Okay, so you like it, like just to give a back a background because you can say so many things and this, some people will be like, "Who the hell is this guy?" Right. So and which is fair, which which I want, is fair I mean, also, like, but let people say that. That's okay. yes, let people say that. But I think when you say something, you being yourself it gives a little bit of weight to it because of your background. Sure. I think so. Okay. No, that's fair. Um, so in a nutshell, and, and I know we talked more about this like extensively in, in the, the previous episode that we yeah. did together. Um, in a nutshell, I'm um, a person of Indian origin, right? Born and raised in the United States and New York specifically. Yeah. Um, born into a Hindu family, but we weren't like super religious growing up. I didn't really... You know, we didn't have a particular guru, sampradaya tradition we were connected to. Um, just sort of went to what, whichever temples were closest in a very, like, maybe a couple of times a year for, like, major festivals or something like that. Um, and just to cut a, a long story short, uh, when I was, like, in my sort of, like, teenage, early teenage years, for whatever reason, um, just became really, like, philosophically and spiritually inquisitive. Mm. Um started exploring different spiritual traditions, teachings, teachers, kind of the, 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 the almost like the stereotypical like seeker, um, except, you know, the stereotype I think we, most of us have is of like a white person doing that. And for me, it was like, <laughs> right. I was this like Indian American, you know, kid, this brown skinned kid who felt very American, right. Being born and raised in America. And I think that's part of the, this, you know, the story is like, just sort of trying to figure out like, who am I? Who am I culturally? Who am I spiritually? All this stuff. But for me, that meant doing a lot of spiritual exploration. 
And that spiritual exploration led me to a number of traditions like within sort of, you know, what we would, what, what we might like kind of casually call within like Hindu spiritual traditions, but also outside of it and like looking at some like Christian mysticism and Sufism and, you know, just a bunch of different things. Um, and that search for me culminated in and led me to, um, to finding my own path in the practice of, of bhakti and Krishna bhakti, um, and specifically through through the, the Hare Krishna movement or ISKCON. Um, even before ISKCON actually got kind of got connected to a group of devotees that were um, sort of formal, formally like a kind of an offshoot of ISKCON and then kind of transitioned into ISKCON. Um, I, in 1998, uh, took first initiation from my spiritual mentor, His Holiness Radhanath Swami, um, and, you know, kind of have been, um, I guess, trying to be a practicing devotee ever since. Mm. Um, professionally, my background is I was an attorney and um, felt like, and again, we, we talked about this last time, so I don't want to be too repetitive, but felt kind of called to pursue um pursue more of a like a direct engagement with with my spirituality um and so i left i resigned from my my work uh in law and ended up going to work full-time for iscon for the communications minister ministry um and i served under a wonderful mentor named anutsuma prabhu um and served as the director of communications for north america in a wonderful um period of time where um, social media wasn't as crazy as it is, and so right, right. it was it was a very different communications looked and and felt very different at that time. Yeah, but um, but I was able to do some of that work uh, and and then transitioned into um, chaplaincy uh, and specifically working full time as the uh, Hindu chaplain at Princeton. Nice. Is that is that kind of what you had in mind? That's perfect. Perfect. Okay. Let's go back to what we were talking about. Yeah. Um. So that's my pedigree. That's why you folks should listen to me. I'm not just some <laughs> random. That's what I'm saying. I'm not just a life member. <laughs> but I, but I should like that should be like my tagline. It should be like Vinny Chandler, disgruntled life member. <laughs> like I paid my thousand and one dollars, and I expect to stay in no, the no, 55th no. Street Temple. Hundred it one thousand one hundred eleven dollars. One th yes, lots of ones. Yes. Um, I was promised a room in the 55th Street Temple and the Golden and the Golden Temple in West Virginia and a full <laughs> set of books, which I'm still waiting for in the mail. And I'm just like sick and tired of being treated as a second class citizen. And so now I'm like going on the, uh, uh, you know, I'm, I'm doing a, a bunch of podcasts. I'm doing like Joe Rogan after you, <laughs> just like just exposing. No, you know. Oh anyway, man, that's funny. That's where I'm coming from. I'm not just like some random disgruntled brown guy i'm a random disgruntled life member guy you are not that because if you were a that bit, little if bit. you were that then we wouldn't care what you have to say of course not <laughs> and i'd still donate every year to the ratiatra so it doesn't no right okay. no, let's, let's get back on track here okay let's okay. get back on track um i forgot what what the, we were talking yeah. about my definition of the hinduization of iskon yes and right. so i and, said and that problematic notion right of like who is local, local. And, yes yes um and, uh, yeah, I mean, I think so, like, you, you know, I don't, I don't want to sound too self-serving here, but since you asked for my like little, you know, resume or, or, or yes. bio, yes. um, I mean, like, where do I fit into that? I guess is so part of my issue with the sort of, um, what do you mean? Where do you fit into that? 
What I mean is like when when there are arguments about or questions about or when this like this sort of accusation is raised of like ISKCON becoming Hinduized. Right. Like what do you do with a story like mine? Like, am I part of the problem of Hinduization? Am I an exception to that? Like, I had this, like... Me too. What I consider, like, a kind of conversion experience. Right. Um, I, I mean, I really, especially in the in those early years, I mean, I was, like, I was in high school, right? But in those early years, the devotees that I felt most, like, that I had most in common with were, like, non-Indian sort of young... I mean, this is also during the time of, like, the whole, like, Krishna core straight-edge scene, right? Right, right, right. And I just, I felt like, although we had very different stories and different backgrounds, but I felt like we both had a lot, in you know, in common as far as being, like, spiritual seekers. Mm -hmm. And so for me, like, my connection to ISKCON, my connection to Krishna consciousness, my connection to gurus, like my own Diksha guru or, like, Srila Prabhupada, um, to the the previous acharyas, all of that has been in the vein of like for me, it was like a very real um, experience of um, I don't like the word conversion experience so much, but an experience of like discovering my own you know spiritual path and finding a spiritual home here. Right. And part of my problem with the whole you know Hinduization of ISKCON or like the the dismissal really is what I what I like I hear when someone says Hinduization of ISKCON. It's a good word. It's like it's very dismissive of my own spiritual experience. It's almost like saying like, oh, your story is like not like the real deal. You know what I mean? Like it doesn't really count as much right. because you're not like a white skinned person who's like making the jump from like, you know, being raised in this like Christian or Jewish household to like discovering bhakti. Like that's what Prabhupada came here to do. It's like Prabhupada didn't come here to America for like this like Indian kid, you know, in New York City. But yes, like, yes. but then like, that's kind of like saying like my, like my story, my experience doesn't count. You know what I mean? Or it like doesn't count enough. That's so problematic. I think so. Not only is it problematic, like in an, in, in an intellectual or academic sense, but it's deeply hurtful. I mean, if I'm being really honest, like you, you said, like, you know, you wanted to keep it real, right? Like yeah. when I, I mean, I can, confession time, right? I can do a great job of like sort of intellectualizing things and making it seem like, well, you know, like I'm just like, poking at this because as academics we need to like really look at this and problematize and whatever but there's real emotion under there as well and yeah. if i'm being real with myself and real with you and your millions of listeners which feels a little scary and <laughs> it's not millions close to it and I'm, I'm feeling kind of vulnerable right now but the truth of the matter is like it's deeply it's been deeply deeply hurtful and and it's, it is emotionally charged you know yeah, yeah. um does that make me biased probably yeah. Um, but I think we all have our biases. And, and for me, I just want to like, you know, kind of say that out loud that it, even if that's not the intention for not just one or two or dozens or even hundreds, but maybe for thousands of us, right? It's like your stories don't count. Yeah, exactly. That's, uh, thank you for being vulnerable and for, for saying that. Uh, uh, why else, why else is it problematic? Yeah. Besides, besides your own personal feeling, but why else for the, for now, for the future? Why else is that a problematic thing? Yeah. Um, well, let me let me let me take a step back. Sure. I do want to acknowledge that, like, there's. I think there's some truth to it. I think there is an important conversation or series of conversations that need to be had. That is like it's like sort of like the the thesis behind the thesis, right? So I think 
what's being said is that is is the hinduization of iskon piece which i feel like is is misguided f for these reasons that that we've gotten into and we will get into what i agree with or what i sympathize with is the underlying frustration um is the sense of i think like what chaitananda might have been talking about in his podcast and others have talked about like, this idea of like mission drift this idea of like mm. you know the kind of like anxiety around um a tradition or even an organization or an institution kind of like maybe you know not going in the direction that it needs to um to be relevant yeah right i can sympathize with that i think those are important conversations to have um what I feel like that the Hinduization of ISKCON kind of track, and, and, and here let me broaden it out, um, not just the use of the word Hinduization, but the sort of like um, framing everything in terms of like Indians and Westerners, right? Um, just as a side note, I mean, I know we were joking about it, but part of the reason why like the whole idea of Indians, like cowboys and Indians, even in our language, it's just like there's something that's very like, almost like abrasive to me about like, we yeah. don't even say it's Indian people. You ever notice that? We don't, we're not even like Indian people, Indian folks, yeah. Indian, you know, um, Indian devotees. It's just like Indians, Indians like yeah. catch all, like, you know, like imagine if we just replaced that with like blacks or Jews, it would sound so grating to our ears, it's right? True. Like, it's true. like, Oh, that, how was that program Prabhu? It was good, but a bunch of blacks showed up <laughs> <laughs> like WTF, you know, it's like, yeah. like, yeah, like, I feel like, like, you know, like the Bhagavatam classes, there's just like too many Jews in the Bhagavatam class. Like, like we'd never say that, right? We shouldn't. Yeah, um, yeah. Anyway, that's a side note. But even like in terms of our language, right? I think we've gotten really kind of like too desensitized to just like talking about things in this, in, in what can be a really insensitive way. Mm. Um, but but anyway, to, to, to get back to this, like what I find problematic about it also is it's setting up this dichotomy of just like, there are two categories, basically. There's Indian and there's Westerner, right? Yeah. Both very loaded terms, both really hard to define. But there's Indian and Westerner. And, like, somehow the implication with the whole, like, Hinduization of ISKCON argument is we are going astray because of category A. So we need to somehow, like, fight against that. And depending where you're coming from, either that's ignore category A, you know, um, de-emphasize category A, get rid of category A. I mean, you can get to some dark places, right? Yeah. But the problem, according to this narrative, is category A. And the solution is we need to lean into category B. Mm. Um, I think that's problematic because I think it's overly simplistic and dangerously, dangerously reductionistic, right? It takes a, re a, a set of really complex issues, really... Um, difficult but important conversations amazing opportunities for like critical reflection for as an organization as a community for us to go like hey let's take a hard a good hard look at ourselves and like see like what are we doing right what are we not doing you know as well as we can what is our baggage right all this kind of real like introspection um it takes all of that and it sort of like replaces it with this i think oversimplified kind of dichotomy and it's just like easy problem easy solution right mm. problem is this indianization hinduization therefore the solution must be some kind of like depending on how you look at it either like a return to or a move to some kind of like westernization right and then and then we start so like okay that's problematic because it's it's overly simplistic 
And generally when things are overly simplistic, it is at the expense of engaging with the stuff that's really complex. Um, so that's that's a loss, right? Because we lose the complexity. It's also problematic because it scapegoats an entire group of people that that truly speaking actually have like not that you know the Indian community or the Indian community of devotees even within ISKCON um, doesn't have its its shortcomings and problems. Like they're definitely there. I'll be the first to acknowledge and admit that. Sure. But um, but to like basically for for this community, this group, um, this identity to carry the burden of like ISKCON's failure, if you want to use that word, or like shortcomings. Oh my gosh. That's, yeah. that's heavy, right? So heavy. And it's um and I really like that, I, I would really question like, is is that fair? Is it earned? Right? Like that's like a problem with scapegoating in general is like it's just it's not fair, right? It 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 doesn't evenly and constructively share responsibility. It says them. They the you know, those people over there, even if it's dressed up as, okay, we have nothing against, as I've heard, you know, some devotees um, argue, no, no, it's not that we have anything against Indian people or Indians. It's, it's Indian culture or it's, you know, it's, it's the food, right? So we find all these ways of dressing it up. Oh, it's, it's the spicy prashadam. It's the, you know, it's the fact that like saris or then there's whole debates about like saris and totis and like, you know, yeah. scholarship being done on like, you know, how Vedic is are saris and do they wear saris in the spiritual and all this stuff that okay fine is kind of like interesting to think about but as far as as far as I've experienced is is often just a way of kind of masking mm. the scapegoating thing so okay problem one um, it is overly simplistic problem two. And feel free to push back. By the way, this is just this is not like no, no, no. I'm, I'm taking it just... in. I'm taking it because this is uh, the, you're 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 saying a lot of things that I've been thinking, but I haven't actually said out loud like to myself. So I'm just like absorbing what you're saying, and I do have things to say. But continue uh, reviewing. So, I mean, and this is also just helping me to think it out loud too, right? Right. Because right. this is just stuff that's like swimming in there. This is great. This is, I love this. Um, simple, you know, sim simplistic at the expense of the complexity. So that's a problem. Scapegoating. So that's a problem. Um, a, a, th a third problem, which is kind of similar to the first one, but I think like it, it feels, and I think it is, it rings really, really superficial. And so we end up having these conversations, like extended, extended conversations about the clothes you wear, for instance. Right. And here, I mean, I don't want to like venture too far into like, you know, sort of tricky waters. And I don't want to be like, I don't want to offend anyone. We're all trying in our own ways, respect. But um, there is a subculture, subcommunity that's developed. I'm not going to say it by name, but it right. rhymes with Kanye West. <laughs> <laughs> we came on. I've been working. Oh, wait. I just want to, I just want to be honest. I've been working on that joke for like two and a half weeks in the lead up. No. Um, anyway, we don't have to get into specifics. But there is, there is just kind of developed this little, I don't know how little, but this sort of subculture within the kind of... I think it's tiny, to be honest. World. But it's like, it, as, as I've experienced it, at least, yeah. um, it, can, it can really fixate on things like the clothes that you wear and, and, the, and the, the kind of food that's served or yes. like the musical instrument that you use. Yeah. B people are not joining Krishna Consciousness in North America because of X, Y, and Z. Right. Though all those things being Indian things. Right. And so, again, the solution is, or I guess the implication, you know, that, that that's suggested is that the solution is, 
you know, if we just switch, if we switch over from, as I've heard it expressed, I'm not trying to be like too snarky here, but, but like, if we switch over from like dhotis to like dockers, to, like khakis, <laughs> um, and I'll, I'll, I'll come back to that in a second. Please remind me to come back to the khakis. Cause it's not like, an, <laughs> that's not an accidental reference. I think there's something else going on there, but like right. when we switch over to like khakis and polos and baseball caps and you know, whatever, um, and, you know, like pianos and guitars. And peanut stuff, butter jelly and sandwiches. Peanut butter and jelly sandwiches instead of, right? When we do that, then yeah. it's like problem solved. Suddenly we're going to be relevant to people. People are, as, as you said, the sort of, the, the, the argument, sometimes literally this is the argument that's made. <laughs> people are not joining, whatever that means anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Again, because we're not asking. <laughs> to question everything about the language now. I, yes, I do work for like an ultra liberal, like Ivy League institution. So like everything is questioned and, and right, you know, right. deconstructed, right? So right. fun, guilty as charged. But the point <laughs> is like, we, the point, the point Nam is like, we're not actually even asking ourselves like, what, we're not stopping. Going, what is, what in the world does it even mean to join? Like, how would I even know it if I saw it? Does it mean moving in? Does it mean like getting initiated? Does it mean chanting a certain number? Like, what does it even mean? Yeah. Yeah. What does it mean? But but rather than have that conversation, it's like the fixation is on like, if we fix the clothes, if we fix, if we fix the clothes, if we fix the food, if we fix this, that, the aesthetic, right? And we like, this is not what they're saying. This is what I'm saying. Now, if we like whitewash the whole thing. Do separate program for another day. Do a separate program. Yes. Right. So the, the, the whole like, you know, separate but equal. All the Indians targeted. will come on Sunday. All the, the whites will come, will come on. on Friday or whatever. Right. Like, <laughs> it's great. <laughs> It's great, you know? Yeah. I don't know when the blacks and Jews will show up. I don't know. I don't know if we do a program for the gays. <laughs> oh, my God. No, definitely not. Anyway. No, in a sense, I'm saying definitely not because of the right. because of the conservative viewers right. Again, of Iskand. Yeah. But, but here's the thing, right? So, so um, oh, gosh, there's so much to do here. There's so many let's, ways we let's can go. Stay, I, know, I know there's so many places we can go. Let's stay let, on. Let me, the, let, me, let me stay on this track. Okay. Thank yeah. you for. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, the problem, or one problem I find with that, um, is it it really kind of distracts us. Not only does it oversimplify the problem, but it actually, it causes us to take our eyes off of the real deal, okay? I'm going to ask you to indulge me for a second. I know you are going to get this. I know some of your listeners are going to get this. There's going to be a bunch of your listeners that are going to, like, miss this reference, okay? Okay. So... In advance. Is it a Simpsons reference? It is a Simpsons reference. I'm going to make the Simpsons reference in advance. If you're not a Simpsons fan, especially like an old school Simpsons fan, apologies. Have you heard of Krishna consciousness? This part is a crazy man. Beautiful. That's one of many <laughs> Hare Krishna references. Do you know there was a couple of Hare Krishna? Yeah, yeah, I know there, there was a few. That's probably my, my favorite one, though. Yeah. But this is not one of the Hare Krishna references, but I think it's so, for me, it so encapsulates what, what, you know, what I feel like is at the heart of this, like, Kanye West issue. Okay. Right? So there's an episode where um, Lisa is, and this is like one of the early episodes, where Lisa and, and all the other, like, kids of, of Springfield have been waiting and waiting and waiting for the Malibu Stacy, the the, court, the company that makes Malibu Stacy, the, mm -hmm. the kind of the, their version of Barbie, right? Yeah. To release the talking Malibu Stacy doll. Mm -hmm. And, like, Lisa is like... I've been waiting for her to speak like all my life. 
And she goes out like the day that the Malibu Stacy, the talking Malibu Stacy comes out and she buys the doll and I, it's like a, a string or something. She pulls a string and Malibu Stacy says all these problematic, like misogynistic, sexist things like math is hard. Let's get the boys to do it. Right. You know, stuff like that. I don't remember all the, but it's like, <laughs> like if you're a Simpsons fan, you'll get it. It's like hilariously misogynistic, like, you know, and Lisa is crushed. Right. Um, so she's she's upset. She becomes angry. And what she does, and I'm going to truncate like the episode, right? So I'm not going to go into the details. But what she does is she brilliantly seeks out like the founder, like the Stacy behind Malibu Stacy. And she convinces this this woman who is like, you know, this elderly woman now who's like a recluse. She can she convinces her to work with Lisa to create their own doll, their own talking doll that will say all the things that they want, you know, young girls to hear and to internalize, right? Mm. They, they will create this like feminist role model doll, this empowering doll. And they do it. They create this amazing doll that says this like empowering, intelligent stuff. And they name it, um, I think, Lisa Lionhearted. Mm -hmm. and, and, and so, and they get like the, 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 the anchorman, Kent Brockman. I Kent think. Brockman, yeah. Kent Brockman. They get Kent Brockman to do a story on it. Yeah. So now Springfield is a buzz because the Lisa, Lisa Lionheart doll is going to come out and is going to say all of these things that, um, you know, that Malibu Stacy is not saying. Yeah. And the Malibu Stacy folks get wind of it and they get nervous. And so on the day that Lisa Lionheart is to be released at the toy stores, Malibu Stacy, a new Malibu Stacy is released. That's exactly the same as the old Malibu Stacy, but now has a hat on. And every little kid in Springfield, like as they're running to the Lisa Lionheart exhibit, they like, they're like, look, Malibu Stacy, she has a hat now. <laughs> and they all run and they all buy Malibu Stacy with a hat. Oh my God. So why in the world am I bringing this up? Yes. Right? To me, this whole, like, whether it's, you know, whether, you, whether it's Krishna West, whether it's whatever, you know, but this idea of like, like switching up the dhoti for the khakis it's like the same ISKCON with a hat on mm. quite literally. Cause sometimes there's like a, like a, you know, make ISKCON great again, baseball cap. I don't know right. Right, they actually have one like that, but <laughs> like a Krishna West baseball cap or something. But it's like, it's like quite literally it's ISKCON as an institution. And I know there's not just one monolithic reality of ISKCON. I know it's a complicated thing, Yeah. but ISKCON as an institution, as a community, we're not, when we buy into that sort of like the problem is the dress, the problem is the food, the problem is yeah. all this superficial stuff. It's like saying, well, we can just put a new hat on it and problem solved. It's not really like digging into like, well, what is Iskan saying when I pull the string? Right. Metaphorically. Right. Wow. Um, and, and that's, that's problematic enough. But like when, as a result of that, the Lisa Lionheart doll never gets, never gets heard. Yeah. Right. So in other words, when there is, there are real conversations that are happening. Most of them are happening behind the scenes in private spaces among really thoughtful, intelligent devotees who are trying to like get at, you know, what does it mean for Krishna consciousness, for bhakti to be relevant, to be resonant, to touch people's hearts? What's mm. standing in the way of that? Where do we have to really look at things that we do, whether they're particular practices, whether they're the way that we have um, you know, taken 
certain philosophical concepts and we've like weaponized them. Mm. Like, where are we hitting, where are we missing the mark? Yeah. Where are we hitting the mark? So we can, let, let's be, let's not just beat up on ourselves. Let's, let's, you know, um, honestly like celebrate what, you know, what we, what we're doing right. Mm. But let's also take some like, again, like let's take those, those really um, hard looks at like what, where are we missing the mark? Mm. And and let's be courageous enough to address that, even if it means, you know, bumping up against some sacred cows in Iskan, right? Like, mm. um, it's not going to be comfortable. There are going to be people who are like very threatened by that. They're going to be devotees who are like, whoa, this is not like in my day, especially, and, and some of it gets generational. I'm not trying to like paint, you know, all Prabhupada disciples or all older devotees with, you know, with one brush. So part of the generalization, but there is a kind of, there's something generational at work also, mm. um, which is hard to talk about. I was going to, I was going to, let me cut in for there. Yeah, uh, I heard many, growing up, many senior devotees and um, many gurus speak about that when they come to a certain temple that's all Indian like when they sit down, like their arrival address is like, where are all the Westerners and stuff? And like hearing that as growing up, I was like, okay, yeah, we need to preach to Westerners. But as, as I'm growing up, I'm thinking like, like there's something, I have like a problem with that a little bit. And it's hard to, it's hard for me to explain because it was such, it's such a part of me. Like yeah. even what I was, how I was explaining the Hinduization of Iskan to you, I saw the problems in what I was saying to you while I was saying them. Yeah. Like I never thought of it like that. Like the language, the different points that I was making. That's just like, hold on a second. That's just, I don't know. It's I. I also find it very hurtful. Um, the whole Krishna West thing has been has been just like, uh, I, uh, yeah, it's just really hurtful that like. We just want to erase everything Indian, and then do people will join Krishna consciousness. Yeah. Like, no, that's not going to work. What is going to make people join is when people actually have bhakti, like pure bhakti. That's what that's what you know attracts people, and that's what changes people's hearts, relationships, and like community and things like that. Not like superficial things. So um, I don't exactly know what I was going with that, but uh, but but I but I think you know that this question. And, and I hear you, right, where, like, when, like, an older, because we were talking about generational. Oh, stuff. that's right, generational, so when an, yeah. When an older yeah. devotee, like a Prabhupada disciple or a guru or a leader, a sannyasi, whatever, um, who tend to be, you know, older devotees, although not exclusively now, um, you know, when, when someone like that asks a question, and I've been in, in situations like that, I've been in situations where people I consider my own, you know, re, like, respected guides, mentors, gurus, yeah. you know, lowercase g, gurus, um, when they've said things like that, I'm interested in the question behind the question. You know, like so. So when someone says, when when someone asks that, I think it is a good question to ask. But I don't think we should stop at at just asking the question, "Where are the Westerners?" Let's ask the question, like, "Where is everybody? Why yeah. is it that, like, you know, ISKCON has been around as an institution for, you know, formally at least, you know, in an incorporated state for what a little more than fifty years?" Yeah. Um, Again, in many ways, like we've ISKCON has done a great job. I say we because I, I I also you know whether I like it or not, um, for better or for worse, <laughs> I'm connected to this organization. Although I have come to a place where I don't feel like I can speak on behalf of the institution, or I don't 
right. align necessarily on everything with the institution, but it's my family. I'm part of this family, right? For better or for worse. Right. We all need to ask ourselves like, okay, um, you know, what, wh where's everyone? Yes. Where are the Westerners? Where are like, where are white skin people? Where are black skin people? Where are brown folk? Where are, where are queer folk? Where are men, women? Like, how balanced, how diverse? Like, everyone should be asking this. Princeton University should be asking this question, right? Yeah. Um, your your workplace, whatever, you know, I don't, I don't know, um, whatever evil corporation you work for these days. I don't know where you work, Nam. <laughs> I don't um, want to say it publicly. Yeah, you, you shouldn't. You shouldn't. Um, yeah. yeah, right. Uh, 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 Check me on LinkedIn. Yeah, right. I, I, I probably shouldn't have um, said Princeton. I, and I, I should make it clear, I'm only speaking on behalf of myself and not Princeton University here. Yes. But like any of these institutions, we should hold all of them to the fire, so to speak, to be like, look, it is the year 2020. Like we all like need to move past, past like tired excuses. And particularly if we're talking about institutions and organizations that aim to be for everyone, mm. like that needs to be reflected, right? So diversity, inclusion, equity, like those things need to be reflected. So I think the question of like, where are the Westerners can be a really constructive question if it takes us to a place of greater diversity, greater inclusion, greater equity. If it takes us to, of, to a place of, again, you know, we're too much in category A, we need to like, we need to, what, what word did you use? Not reject, but um, anyway, I, I'm forgetting the exact word, but like, we need to sort of like get, get rid of as fast as we can category A stuff, mm. right? We need to shed category A stuff to, to, to get category B. That's when I feel like it starts to get problematic. Um, and not just problematic, but again, I mean, just trying to get more like into that real, like, you know, where's that coming from emotionally? Um, I think there, it, it brings up a lot of, I mean, I think ISKCON as an institution is also battling a lot of, wonky stuff around self-identity and around um our own discomfort with like who we are and i think that's that's part of it too what it's do you like, mean by discomfort by who we are yeah it's like you know this this sort of like this this desire to um to jettison i think is the word maybe i was thinking but like yeah to just shed to jettison all of this like kind of like the indianness mm. um Sometimes it's coming, there's like intellectual arguments that are made, right? Like, oh, like, you know, we do we really need saris and dotis? Do we really need like subjis instead of pasta or whatever, right? But sometimes I feel like, or, or I feel like what may be like, you know, a couple of layers beyond, beneath the surface, there also seems to be this sense of like, I'm not like, this, this stuff makes me feel weird. It makes me feel like it's hard to explain to the, you know, to like my white neighbor or to like my coworker. Yeah. Right. And so I don't know how to explain it. I don't know how to contextualize it. It makes me feel embarrassed. Mm. Right. It kind of, it reminds me a little bit of like when I was growing up, um, I was, you know, like, like I said, I was born and raised in New York. My parents, both my, my mom actually came, um, my mom came to America first. She came in 1968. So to New York, like right around the time, you know, like dang, it's pretty, I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. She <laughs> came as a, um, on a nursing, they were doing this thing with, especially with India and I think like the Philippines and elsewhere with like nurses and nursing students yeah. where they would like bring over nurses um, from these other countries, right? Like visas and all that stuff. Yeah. So it was oh, like, okay. it was like a thing, you know? So my mom, even before she was married, 
um, she and um, her best friend, and then and then her sister, my my late aunt, they all came over as like as these nurses, and they, they were like in like the counterculture, nineteen sixties, like it was you know it's like a wild time. Wow. Uh, I mean, they weren't hippies or anything, but like they were like you know, um, they they were part of that experience, right? Yeah. Coming west. Um, my my you know my mom went back to India, married my dad, and then they both came back in like in seventy three. Mm-hmm. Um, so like they very much had that immigrant experience. They always like for my parents and to this day, I think it's true. Like for them, India is always home. Right. Um, for me, I didn't know where home was. Right. Because America was all I, I knew. Like I, I grew up in America. I thought in English, I like considered myself American. I remember like the first time, like a kid in school, like suggested to me, I wasn't like American. I was like, what? Like, <laughs> I think I thought I thought I was just like white, but like I had a really cool tan year round or something. Like, I really, really thought. I I, I distinctly remember actually because it was like something like race was an issue in like one of like the elections. Um, and I remember we were like talking about it in some like elementary school like social studies unit or something. And I remember coming home and being like, like, are we white? I remember mm. asking my parents like, are we white? Because it was just like, wow. But I had this, you know. So anyway, I'm I'm. I'm you know, going off on a little bit of a tangent, but like the point is like, I had this experience growing up where my parents like kind of knew a little bit more like solidly, like they were Indian. They happened to be living in America. Right. But they were Indian. Yeah. Um, for me, it was a little bit more complicated and I had both of these parts to me and what made it even, I think more difficult was like everything, and, and, and you know, keep in mind, this is like the 80s, right? Yeah. Um, everything in school, everything in like popular culture, right? What was normal was was white culture, like American culture, but really like other than like the Cosby show or something, it was really like white American culture, mm-hmm. right? Uh, we, there, we were very, there was very little exposure to anything else. So to me, American, you know, like if, if I were to like write it out, it would be like American equals cool, acceptable, normal, successful, mm. not weird, yeah. not embarrassing, and white. I mean, I may, I might not have, you know, consciously thought that or articulated it, but, like, that's what I, like, you know, like, when I would, when I, I grew up watching a lot of TV. When I'd watch these sitcoms and I'd be like, oh, I want to be, like, one of these sitcom families, it's, like, low-key, like, I, I couldn't because <laughs> my family just doesn't look like that. We don't talk like that. Yeah. Like, we don't, like, you know, like it's just not the case right like yeah um like no matter how hard i tried like i couldn't be like you know dj tanner from full house or whatever right dj tanner um but in ways without even like consciously realizing it what i was doing i think was internalizing a lot of like i internalized a lot of um self-doubt and and even self-shame right because if that's normal then what i am and what goes on in my household is abnormal yeah then the food we eat is weird um, yes. and the smells that come, you know, that are, that linger in our home or maybe get on my clothes and people are like, Oh, like, you, you know, you, you smell like curry. Like that's all weird. And not only is it weird, it's hurtful. And I don't have, like, I can't respond. I have no comeback and be like, yeah, well you smell like, um, bread, bread. <laughs> yeah. Like you, you know, you smell like Ritz crackers. Like, like, because like, you know, I had internalized, like we're weird. They're normal. Yeah. So part of it was like, I, I like hardly ever invited friends over mm. 
Because even my house like looked weird. And like, how would I explain? How would I explain that like weird thing of Ganesha or like, you know, uh, or the fact that even like, like we took our shoes off. Like something as simple as that. Like yeah. we took our shoes off before going inside. Like a lot of like most of my like white friends didn't do that. Um, on TV shows, they never did that. Everyone was like wearing their sneakers all the time. Like they like jumped out of bed. They wore robes. We never wore like bathrobes. Like I tried to get my mom to buy me a bathrobe one Christmas. Like I celebrate Christmas, by the way, which is a whole other like, right? Like I do as well. So, but, but it's, but it's part of like negotiating this thing. Mm. Anyway, like, so what does no, this have to do? Yeah. Thank you're you gonna for connect that it. Yes. Yes. So what does that have to do? Like, I can't help but feel like sometimes when I hear this this talk in ISCOM that like it's like it's like a version of like of of like like I hear like shades of like you know ten year old me. Where Interesting. It's like, it's like okay, like ISCON's like our family, our home, and there's like a lot of like weird stuff that like we can't explain too well, and that we don't we may not like be equipped with the the tools, the language, the resources to like, to, to, to help contextualize it and articulate it. So it's like easier to just like try to get rid of it the way, like before I would have like a friend come over, like the one or two times I did, I'd be like super paranoid and would try to like scrub my house of like anything Indian and like yes, get yes. my mom to like not cook and like whatever, right? Close the curtain. Close the curtain in front of the deities or whatever, right? Yes. Like I'm sure you can relate to this. Oh, like, totally. hundred percent. Um, Right, like, or like, you know, it's like I, I forgot who it was. Maybe you'll remember with like, maybe it's like Gopika Kanta or someone is like, like, like friends coming over and like her parents are doing like Tulsi Puja. Oh, she's gosh. like, like what? Like how? Like, like they're like walking around a freaking plant. Like, sometimes <laughs> a plant is wearing a skirt. You're like, what is going oh, on? Right? So I, I can't help but feel like sometimes the whole move to like, okay, like let's just solve the problem by like sanitizing and scrubbing. ISKCON or Krishna consciousness or bhakti or whatever, yeah. right? Because it can even get broader than just ISKCON. Like, let's just scrub it of all that Indian stuff so that we can just like be normal and white like everyone else. Yeah. Without even like A, realizing you're doing it, right? And I'm not like pointing the finger at, at anyone in particular. I want to like be very clear about that because, um, and, and Krishangi helped me to see this, like, it's very easy for me to tear down others. I may do that myself in so many ways. Yeah. But like collectively, like that may be a little bit of what's happening. And especially when that be then becomes like a movement within the movement, you can like philosophically justify it. You can write papers to defend it. You can like do like, you know, posts on like social media and not even realize that like, hey, like why am I just buying into this notion that like white equals normal? So remember I said I wanted to get back to khakis? Yeah. This is I think where things like the khakis and polo shirts come in. Because if you look at it, right? And I know this may not be everyone, but for some of the devotees making this like kind of like case for like a a Western friendly aesthetic yeah. of, you know, and I'm trying to be like very diplomatic with my, with my words because I don't want to like, you know, kind of um, like skew it, skew the description. But like when devotees talk about kind of creating this like this aesthetic that is going to be more like relevant contemporary western aesthetic if you notice so often what that aesthetic is is that aesthetic is a very white aesthetic when you think of like it's like it, even like like think about clothes right that kind of like that particular aesthetic and i'm not knocking it i actually dress like that quite often myself yeah but like 
the polo shirt, the like, you know, the like the, the khakis, the dockers, whatever. Um, it's it's a very kind of like preppy, affluent, successful white person way of dressing, right? Like it's not. That's not to say anyone else like is is barred from dressing that way. Like yeah. you can dress however you want to dress. I certainly do. Like Zach Morris. Um, I dress like Zach Morris. No, no, no. I'm just saying that's isn't that like the. Because I'm getting like I'm, I'm getting a little sensitive now because I've been told my my <laughs> no, no, my COVID haircut is like very Zach Morris right now. Like I'm like going back to say I'm the not belt, saying so. I'm not saying that you're dressed like Zach Morris. I'm saying Zach when I hear preppy, I I you think didn't like, someone call him preppy? Slater used to AC Slater. Uh, AC Slater, yeah. Which by the way, like when you're in Niscon, it's hard to say AC Slater without thinking AC Bucks if you don't have to call me So this is like the world we we have to like balance this, right? We've got like these different influences. Anyway, <sighs> but like you see what I'm saying, right? Like. When we investigate a little bit deeper, it's not just, and, and this is part of why I like, I really push back against this. It's not just saying like, hey, let's not be, we're, 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 um, we're, we're chasing people away or we're like turning people off because we're too Indian. It's sort of, it, it's saying we're too Indian and that's keeping us from being white enough. Let's, we got to make ourselves white enough. Yeah. That's creepy to me, right? It's creepy to me, like, like when you, and, and again, this is going to sound, this is going to sound kind of harsh, but with due respect, when I think it was probably back in like 2016, yeah, I think it was right after, yeah, I think it was right after Trump got got elected. In fact, um, do you remember like the 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 um, Charlottesville white white supremacy like rallies? Do you remember I, this? I don't know. Um, I know there's like so much crazy stuff has happened that like even things that were keep, like I can't keep track in, in any other time in like history we'd be like that was crazy I'm gonna remember that for the rest of my life now it's just like one of many crazy things but but back in I think it was 2016 um they're all kind of blurring to me there was like this like alt-right organized like you know neoconservative like sort of right white supremacist you know pro-confederacy etc 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 march and it was in Charlottesville, Virginia, um, ostensibly around things like, you know, protecting Southern heritage, Confederate heritage, not taking down Confederate, you know, statues of Confederate generals and the Confederate flag and, and this. And but they were they were like screaming things like um, we will not be erased. And, um, and and then they were like screaming like like Jews, you will not replace us like, mm. like crazy, like. Like, stuff you would not think would happen in your lifetime. Like, I thought, like, Nazis was something that, like, that previous generation, you know, fought, like, a world war to, like, deal with. But, yeah, no, no it turns out, like, it's there. still a thing. Um, anyway, the reason I'm bringing it up is if you look at, like, their aesthetic, just in terms of the way they were dressed, it was, like, pretty frightening because you had this sort of, like, uniform of, like, this kind of, like, preppy look of, like, these bunch of these guys in like kind of like form-fitting you know button downs and polos and khakis and kind of marching with these tiki torches you know these tiki torches wow. and it's like i'm not i'm not trying to say that like you know folks within krishna consciousness who kind of support like wearing like western clothes you know i'm not trying to equate that but what i am trying to suggest is like these things matter and they matter on this deep sometimes even subliminal level where mm. it's like, let's not kid ourselves and think like there's not like deeply troubling implications, even to things like, like our dress. Um, and again, I say this as someone that, as you can see, I don't know if people can 
can tell like you know on the counter but like i'm very comfortable wearing like this is usually how i dress this is very often how i dress you know pre-quarantine how i would dress going to a temple sometimes even to um you know like uh, um a uh, a program with like my spiritual master with with other great vaishnavas like i have no um for me it's just like a non-issue like i feel comfortable like this so i dress like this i've never ever gotten anything but 100 percent um acceptance you know love and appreciation from devotees who i look up to and i trust regardless of like whether i'm wearing you know a shirt and and you know jeans or a dhoti and kurta or whatever right so to me it's like such a non-issue yeah um but w when it becomes an issue either way i think we, we need to dig deeper and go like what's going on there right mm. like um it's, it's all fine and, and, and well to say, like, we, we shouldn't have to wear Indian clothes to be devotees. I 100% agree with that, right? Like, by no means should that be, like, a requirement. Um, but, but when you turn it into a, like, a, like a philosophy or a, not a philosophy, but when you turn it into, like, a strategy. Yeah. And that, when that becomes the focus. Uh, yeah. And that becomes, like, I would even say the fixation. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, this may be a little controversial, Right, but anyway, the ship has sailed on you that. Definitely, right? You definitely don't have to uh, preface anything anymore. Okay. So I had this conversation with with a devotee who is who has very strong feelings um, about this sort of thing and um, very kind of pro, you know, pro um, non Indian clothes, pro like you know this kind of like preppy uniform. Right. Um, and he was making this point um, that when we go out on Harinam. When devote like we meaning when devotees go out on Harinam and they're chanting in the streets, um, that it's very off-putting and weird when they're like wearing these like saris and dhotis and like you know these like here comes these like Hare Krishnas and like bed sheets and robes and whatever right, <laughs> um, but it's so attractive and wonderful when they're like wearing like khakis and you know shirt and I don't know what the women you know, are supposed to wear, which is also an interesting thing. <laughs> this whole, like, it's a very male-centered, you know, subculture from what I've noticed. Right. Um, but, you know, it was interesting because he said that and I, like, pushed back because to me it's, like, sort of, like, it's a... It, for, first of all, I think it's, like, equally, if not more weird, right? Like, if I see a procession of people coming <laughs> down the street, like, sort of, like, randomly, like, singing and, like, dancing and, like, pulling me up to, like, dance with them and, like... And they're just know. wearing the same clothes as you. But, but they're all wearing, like, either the same clothes as me or the same clothes as, like, each other. Like, they're all just, like... <laughs> like, they all just got out of the same, like, Abercrombie or, like, J. Crew like, sample sale or whatever. Like, it's just, like... It's just, like, weird to me. Like, it's weirder oh, yeah. to me. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like... Yeah, it's, like... Like, welcome. Come, like... <laughs> chant and dance with us we're americans just like you see we all have matching khakis like you're telling me that's not culty like that's a hundred percent culty right right like it may be a hundred percent it may be culty in dhotis and saris also but like and here's where it maybe gets a little too controversial for some listeners respect but like i want to push the envelope a little bit further why only have a conversation about like what the people are wearing on harinam where's the conversation about like does going out on Harinam the way that, you know, has traditionally been done in ISKCON from, you know, I don't know what the date is for the first Harinam, but let's say from like the you know, late 1960s. Mm. 
Does that even still make sense? I think it does, and I completely disagree with you. Okay, fair. But let's have a conversation about it. Let's do it. Um, I mean, we can do it right now, but my point is... No, no, we let's can Let's have talk. a conversation about it, right? Yeah, yeah. My point is that's the conversation that I wish it were safer to have, and I wish that conversation were happening more, and I wish there was more of an acknowledgement of, A, does this activity still work? Does it still resonate? If so, how does it work? How does it not work? How did it work, you know, in 1975? And how does that same activity in now 20, you know, 20 or 2021, how, how should we maybe thinking about, think about adjusting or evolving or developing? Agreed. 100% agreed. My point, Nam, is not necessarily that you have to agree with me that, you know, maybe it's time to to like hang up our, our you know, <laughs> cartels. Our and cartels. Um, I realize that that's like kind of like for some people, that's like a, you know, way out their opinion. Um, and it may not necessarily even be what I 100% believe either. Right. But my point is, why is that conversation not the front and center conversation? Why is the front and center conversation, you know, dhoti versus, versus pants? Yeah. Does that make sense? It does make sense. And I don't want to get too far field, but like that's, that's what I mean about this whole like, you know, Malibu Stacy with a hat on, right? It's mm. like, where's the conversation about what is relevant and what is a turnoff? Not because it's Indian or Western, but because maybe it's culty. Maybe it, it feels too high pressure. Maybe it feels, maybe, maybe it's um, to us against them, right? All these different things. Where's the conversation about what is, um, what is in our practices, in our cultures, cultures, um, what is there that is, even without us intending it, that is communicating um, disrespect for others? What is what is communicating misogyny or sexism? What is communicating racism? Mm. Um, you know, casual or otherwise. One point I want to make is that <clears throat> when you were saying how, like, when you were growing up, you thought things that were nor you know normal equals American equals like you know white and all those things that you thought were normal. The way I look at it now is that. I I am excessively like I don't care because I was like that as a as a child and sure. as a and, a and a teenager. Like if I have to go to the store and I have a dhoti and tilak and kurtan tells you want me to go to the store, like I will purposely keep all those clothes on and go to the store and be like, "Yes, this is me." What? Yeah. Yeah. That that translates into my Iskon experience as well, in the sense of when you say, uh, you know, Harinams, is that the right thing to do? And I've heard, I've heard other senior devotees speak like that, uh, and I and I immediately become like, um, this is us, like this is us, and and what, like, we will affect people via the holy, pure holy name and Krishna consciousness, regardless of how we look and all this stuff. And I'm okay. And I'm okay with being weird. Like, I just wanted to like make that clear. Like I'm okay with being weird because, because I was so uh, not okay with being weird when I was a kid, you know, yeah. it's like kind of going in the whole other, it's kind of going the whole other side of the spectrum. Yeah. Yeah. No. And I'm Do you know what I'm saying? I, I know exactly. Yeah. Hundred um, percent. Yeah. Uh, and I and I I feel like that really resonates with my own experience. For me, I think it was like maybe when I was um, 
probably like college, maybe even a little bit after college that I really, yeah, like I, I kind of, I came to own that stuff. And then it was like, and you know, and, and, um, there are theorists, there's like, there's whole like developmental theories, there's race theories, there's theories that talk about how this is actually what tends to happen. Mm. That there's like, you go from sort of being like deeply embarrassed and wanting to like get rid of that stuff to like this sort of like, yeah, and what? Like, I'm like loud and proud, right? Like, exactly. like in queer theory, there's like a lot of stuff that like this is part of the process of coming out. I think for, for us, you know, it, it's <laughs> wow. kind of a coming out, right? It's like, come, I'm coming out. I'm it's coming funny, out of the, yeah, the Krishna does. closet or the Hindu closet or the, <laughs> you know, the Indian, the brown skin, whatever. Like, yeah, we're yeah. all of our closets. Yeah. Um, I, I think that's very much like a healthy trajectory. I think that's what happens. I think, you know, it, it, here's where maybe I'm taking some liberties, right? But here's where I feel like, like, let's extend that to ISKCON, not just individual ISKCON members, but let's extend that to like ISKCON as like a collective. I would love to see ISKCON, like I think just as it was for you and I and Gopika, Kanta and others who have, who have shared stories like this, yeah, it was sort of like a natural part of our growing pains to go through that, like, we got to get rid of the weird stuff like that that phase, if we mm. want to use the word phase, mm. the phase itself is not such a big deal. The problem is that I think if we got stuck in that phase for, for us, I'm grateful that we were able to grow out of that phase into a healthier space of, mm. you know, maybe first into this, like, like, yeah, loud and proud, like deal with it, going out of my way to be like, what, what? Like, look yes. at me. I'm like, you know, wear like the huge tuning fork tilak and like, be like, yes, like, where am I like, you know, like, <laughs> hi, my name is Venkata. Ask me about Krishna sticker or whatever, right? Like, right. I'm going to like, right, right. I'm going to like fly the flag, right? Um, maybe for some of us, like, that's where we land up. I think for many of us, it, that is also a necessary part of the journey. If we want to like mix metaphors, maybe that's like the pendulum swinging back to this other side. Mm. And then hopefully you find this space where it's sort of like, like, as with maturity, it's kind of like, okay, like I found, I, I found this way to like reconcile these things and to be, mm. and I keep coming back to these phrases, like to be more comfortable in my own skin, like that takes time. And it takes, I think, um, some sense of, of like healthy integration and balance. Mm. And for ISKCON collectively, I would love to see the sort of the ISKCON collective you know, Gaudiya Vaishnav family, whatever, Bhakti family. Um, and I know those those terms are not entirely interchangeable, but like however broad or specific you want to be. But I would love to see these communities kind of go through these different phases and this different growth, mm. um, but also to move towards more and more integration rather than just like pendulum swinging. And it's just like quick quick fix solution here. We got to go all Western, quick fix solution there. We got to go all Vedic, right? So you see like, like dudes like wearing like wooden shoes and like, like it's a bit much, you know what I mean? Like it may not be the most practical if you're going to wear like wooden shoes everywhere. And you're like, you know, a grahasta with like three kids and you like, you know, like work, you know what I mean? Like, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm poking fun, but the point is like, yeah. there are these extremes, um, and there'll always be like, we always have a colorful cast of characters, right? There are always going to be these like outlier folks that like kind of revel in being like the odd man out, the extreme. Yeah. Um, but I, I love the idea of collectively redefining normal um, for ourselves, not on the basis of like w normal equals white or normal equals Vedic or normal, but like normal equals 
being comfortable in my skin. It, 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 it equals integration. It equals balance. Mm -hmm. That's where maybe more work needs to be done. And maybe, you know, totally. that's where we need to head. Um, and I don't want to make too much. I know I can be a little cutesy with the analogy, but if you think about it, right, like when I was growing up, the, the language that we used was, um, folks like myself and, and maybe, and, and, and you too, right. We were like ABCDs. ABCDs. Yeah. And for those who don't know, ABCD stands for American born confused Desi. That's right. Desi in, means Indian. Yeah. Um, did you know, you know, the history of ABCD, you know how that, that term came to be. Wasn't there a movie? Before the movie, even. So the movie, you know, the movie kind of picked up on the on That was the a great term. movie. Um, I remember watching was that, that movie, green, actually. Did I, we watch it together? Green Card Fever? We watched one of those movies together. <laughs> so good. I love those movies. Um, anyway, you were saying the but, origin of that. But, but the origin of the term, and, and this is kind of before your time, and maybe even a little bit before my time. Yeah. But the origin of the term is really interesting because ABCD was a reaction. And it was a reaction to, um, from what I understand, it was a reaction to folks that would later be called ABCDs, um, kind of using this like not so nice slur, kind of this like racist slur against people who are like straight from India. And the term for them, very, you know, um, problematic term was fresh off the boat. FOB, yeah. Or FOB, FOB. FOBs. So, you know, the, the FOBs, the so-called FOBs, <laughs> They got sick and tired of being picked on, and they're like, "If we're fobs, then you guys are ABCDs." ABCDs. Wow. No, what's interesting is both of those terms, especially ABCD, maybe fob to a lesser extent, but both of those were sort of reclaimed, and like the pejorative was like the, the edge was kind of taken off. So now it's really? like, really, kind. Of. I mean, with ABCD, by the time I started using it, it wasn't like such a like it, it wasn't such a put down. Yeah. I mean, like my cousins were like, you know, like, "Oh, you were such an ABCD," and then I just play like, whatever, like. <laughs> Like, yeah, maybe I am, but like, like the confused part, like, and, and the truth is we were kind of confused, yes, right? Yes, for sure. Um, so not to make too much of the analogy, but if you think about it, right, what's my story? My story is I have these immigrant parents, they come off, you know, they, in their case, planes, they step off the plane, they're like strangers in a, in a new land and they make this new life and they have me and my sister in America. And so we're American born, Right. We were not from India, but we were totally from India. Yeah. When people would be like, where are you from? It's like, I'm from New York. No, where are you really from? Right. Mm. Um, and even if we're honest with ourselves, it's like, we know we're like from India in a way. Yeah. Right. But we also know in another way, we're really not from India. Like India's home, but it's not home. It's like all this stuff. Right. Yeah. And it's confused. Such a mix. Okay. Prabhupada comes to the West. Literally steps off a boat. So he's literally, no disrespect, he's literally fresh off the boat. In this case, the boat is the Jaladuta. Right. And what does he do? He starts ISKCON. So again, at the risk of being too cutesy about it, what is ISKCON? ISKCON, in one sense, is an American-born, right? ISKCON was incorporated in New York City, if you see the incorporation papers, as an American-born child of this, in one sense, you can say this, you know, great soul, this transcendent master, and all that's true, but it's also true that that transcendent master, great soul, eternal devotee of Krishna, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, was also, according to a certain angle of vision, was also, you know, an elderly Bengali gentleman from India. Right. Right. 
So ISKCON in one sense is kind of like this ABCD. It has this ABCD experience. Mm. And I think, um, I think part of it is like sort of going through this, like self-doubt, self-shame, trying to figure out your identity. Right. Yeah. Um, it's, I think one of the reasons that I felt kind of drawn to ISKCON in one sense, if I'm being honest, is like, I, I think I probably either consciously or subconsciously saw a lot of myself in this. Cause it's like yeah. the same wacky East West, you know, blend that sometimes works, sometimes feels like attention, sometimes is like going back and forth, a little schizophrenic, a little, <laughs> but it like, it felt very resonant. When I, I remember when I first became like friends with Guru Kulis, it was so weird. I don't know if you had this experience, but I felt like, like, like we had shared this, this experience, but like from two totally different sides it was almost like yeah like you know when you see like the negative of a picture mm. like everything is like reversed but yes. it's like the same thing yes yes it was like this experience um that's powerful i think and even though it can feel uncomfortable um i think it's if we can learn to see it it's like it's an amazing opportunity i think it's an amazing amazing opportunity Tamal krishna maraj before he passed away um as part of his later in life, you know, academic journey when he was a student, as you might know, he was a student uh, first at Southern Methodist University and he did his, he finished his undergrad, he did his master's, like, was like, I think valedictorian or something. He was like amazing, yeah, right? He was brilliant, brilliant person, then went to Cambridge and was doing his PhD, did his PhD. Um, he finished it? He, he it, it was, he, I think he was just like, just about to finish, just publish his paper submit, or something. I think, I think his, his advisors helped to like, you know, sort of um, polish off, polish, you know, polish the rough edges around his, his dissertation. And then it was published as an amazing book um, called The Living Theology of Krishna Bhakti. Highly rec recommend that book. Um, but in an earlier book uh, called A Hare Krishna at Southern Methodist University, that book. there's a, there's an, an essay, um, there's a chapter in that book called um, Being Hindu in North America. I mean, it, it's, it's very interesting because he, without much issue, is very comfortable using the language of Hindu and Hindu-American, which itself is pretty, I think, you know, pretty telling. Um, but he talks in that essay, it's one of the, my favorite things that I think I've ever read um, by anyone. Really? You know, it's so, it just speaks to me so much. But he writes in that essay about how, um, this was like written in the late, 90s mid late 90s so in some ways really ahead of his time even but he writes about how the second and third generation of hindu americans that's the generation that iskhan has the most to offer to and that have the most to offer to iskhan i'm getting kind of chills even talking about it because it's like who talks about that no no one does but like it's such a brilliant to me insight and that's not to discount anyone else it's not to say you know, other ethnicities, other generations, other groups don't have a lot to contribute. But he really zeroed in on this and he wrote about it. I'm not going to do it justice, but he wrote about it so beautifully about how these are two sort of cultural phenomena that can really understand each other. Wow. It's like a molding of two. It's like this meeting of like, you yeah. know, kind of long lost siblings or long lost cousins. Right. Like that's exciting to me. That's inspiring to me. That's encouraging to me. And the, 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 and, and again, not to harp on it too much. We can move, we can move on, but the Kanye West, Krishna West stuff that to, to my vision doesn't take us to that place that Tamal Krishna Maharaj is like prophesizing about mm. that takes us farther away from that takes us more into this like unhelpful categories that are 
unhelpful for the reasons that I've that I've tried to share. Yeah. But that also, frankly speaking, and, and very personally speaking, that I don't relate to, that I don't feel like accurately represent me. Like I feel invisible when I hear Western and Indian as two rigid categories. 100%. I'm like, okay, 100%. well, I guess, I guess there's no category for me because I'm neither this nor that. Yeah. Um, and what Tamal Krishnamaraj points out in this in this essay is Hindu Americans are both this and that. Wow, he said that? He said that in that essay. Uh, what Come year on. was that? I, I want to say, I'm not sure the essay, because the, the book was published, you know, after this the, the particular essays. Right. I want to say the book was published in 97 or 98. Oh my God. That's so way before it's time. Yeah, I think so. Uh, I, think so. I, I really resonate with that, with what you're saying about feeling invisible in that regard. Um I don't know if you read Burke Rockford's book about um, Hare Krishna's in America. Transformed. Yeah. Well, he's got he's got Hare Krishna's in America, which was like his sort of original groundbreaking study, which I don't remember the date on it, but I'm guessing like the 80s. Yeah. Late yeah. seven, maybe late like, 70s. But I think his field work was like in the 70s, and then he published right the field in like work, the yeah, early yeah. 80s. Yeah. And but the one that you're referring to is probably the more recent the more recent one, one like like um, early, early 2000s. 2000s. Yeah. For those who don't know, Burke Rockford is a, is a um, professor in the University of Vermont. I think he he Maybe, yeah. basically studied ISKCON like as an academic. Amazing, amazing person. Like he came and he gave class at the at the Bhakti Center when when I was living there, pre Bhakti Center, and he was talking about like ISKCON and he I was flipping flipping through his book and stuff, and he doesn't really like. He doesn't. He he basically says that okay, Iskon's changing, but he doesn't kind of like acknowledge the our generation at all. Yeah. And I was really wondering about that. I wanted. I I think I, me and one other person wrote to him because we were because we were talking about this exact same thing, and we wrote we were writing to him like, where are we in this picture? Like we're not Indian and we're not Western. Like yeah. we're this kind of um, hybrid. You could say hybrid. I think hybrid's a great word for it. Yeah. 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 And I, I guess my I argument, my argument would be, I don't, I don't know if, if you know. For, first of all, I just like, I totally have the same question, and that's as much as I, I think there's a lot to appreciate about about um, uh, Dr. Rockford's work. That is a major shortcoming to me, and that's one of the reasons why, as much as I appreciate it, I just, I also feel like, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't really speak to me the way that you know other even academic work has spoken to me. Mm. Um, but but to your just before I you know lose this train of thought like I love your the, the word hybrid actually and I guess my argument um, would be that ISKCON itself is a hybrid and yeah. so that, that's the Tamal Krishna Maharaj point that like right. when hybrids meet hybrids and kind of see themselves and you know resonate and and empathize and sympathize with one another like amazing amazing possibilities become real, become actualized. This is actually a very groundbreaking point uh, that I don't think anyone is addressing in ISKCON North America right now at all. Like, I think more than attracting people, we're actually, like, detracting people. Is that a word? It is. I'm not sure. De-attracting? Yeah, huh. Disattracting? Unattracting? Misattracting? Unattracting? (laughs) Like that, we we had a, you should have like like a Alexa or Siri or no, something. No, I got a about. Google right here, homie. Right. No, I, but I like calling out to like Alexa. Oh, oh yeah. You know, you know when I, when I was like I don't remember what year it was, but um, 
I remember like early on in my in my uh, Krishna conscious journey, so to speak. I remember some, maybe it was Gorgovindaswami or someone gave a class. Someone was giving a class. It was like a real like kind of guru profile figure. Yeah. Like in a, in a cool way. Like I was like I was I was digging it. And uh, the, 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 the person, let's say it's Gorgovinda Maharaj, just for the sake of the story. I'm not sure it was, but let's just say. Yeah. But the, the, the guru, Gorgovinda Maharaj, was like, um, he, 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 would, he was saying something and he spoke a word. I don't remember what the word is, but he, the, the, he spoke the word and then he said, um, what is the, de the, the definition of this word? <laughs> And like immediately he had like, they were like disciples like whipping out like d dictionaries and they're looking it up and they were like, da -da -da -da, you know, like, yeah. and I remember like watching this and going like being in the audience and just being like, that's so cool. <laughs> like I want to do that. And now I feel like, the, like, so I, like, I guess on, on some, on some level I was like, I want to be a guru one day. <laughs> so like I can do that. Right. <laughs> And like the like like now I'm like 42. I'm like not a guru. I'm pretty sure I'm not like on the list. You know, like <laughs> probably not. It's like you know, like oh sorry. There's not a guru. I was waiting for you to bust out that sound effect. No, there was like like there's probably like 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 the like the Diksha guru list, the female Diksha guru list, and then like way down here there's like the like you want to talk about Venkata list like. <laughs> But like, but I found like I can I can like live out my like guru fantasy now because we have like an echo, All right, like an right. echo dot, you know. Yes, yes. And um, so like from across the room, like I can be like, like you know, like sitting in like my easy chair, and then from across the room, I can be like, Alexa, what is the definition of so and so? And like she has to tell me because she's like my like. No, we should make a devotee. We should make a devotee Alexa, like who listens to lectures, and then when the, the when their speaker's like, so 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 what is that? Like you're thinking, yeah, yeah. you say the translation. Like, oh, what is that verse? What is that verse? Um, and then like, she like, yeah. I love that. I, you know, I love it when I like, I, I'm in a, like a Jared Waitamaraj class and he's like, what is that? And I'm like, oh, I know that verse. And I say it. And he's like, yes, that is the verse. Yeah. I, I feel so good about myself. I love that too. The one time it happened to me. <laughs> Like, bro, I, I just, I have no memory for verses. So I like, love verses. I'm always the guy asking, what is that verse? Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes I ask. I, I, okay, not sometimes. Like I admit, like once or twice, like I've asked it, even though I knew what the verse is, just to kind of say, just to be like one of those people who could be like, "What is that verse?" Yes. And then I can like, <laughs> anyway. So unattract, so ward off, force off, brush off, hold back, keep away, repel, repulse, repel, repulse. That's a that's a strong. That's so what I'm, my point is, my, no, it's too strong. But what my point is that Iskon right now is that not that we're not attracting the in American. Indian Americans, American Indian. Sounds crank. We're not attracting them, but we're actually repelling them. Yeah. Is he okay? Do you want to? Do you want to take a pause? Let me just look. Yeah. He's in his mother's arms. Nice. He's crying. But yeah, that's what I. Um, that's what I think. Anyway, this is this conversation. This has been great. Like, yeah. like I, I totally. This is what I wanted to talk about. Like, we should do this again with like Chaitanya Nanda. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, I mean, I feel like I know. I know probably we're um, we're coming up to we're, time. We're, we're coming up to time. Um, this, I mean, this last point, I think, yeah, like it's it's that part of of my like, you know, what happens when we get distracted from like asking the real questions and like having the real conversations and all that. Part of that is also like, I I really think that the. It's exactly as you're saying. It's it's not just like 
why are we not attracting, you know, X, Y, Z, certain demographic that let's say for whatever reason, which again, we can get even more into like why those reasons, but like for whatever reason, we really value this demographic. We're not attracting them, but like even more deeply. Yeah. Like what, what are those things that are actually, that actually are like problem areas? What are those things that are like, right? Like that people are coming to Krishna consciousness, not because of what we're doing, but even like, I would say in spite of what we're doing. Right? Wow. Great point. I mean that it's heavy, but like, but can we, can we have enough kind of courage and can, can we create, can we make sanghas that are safe enough where we can really ask ourselves those questions and like yeah. be real with ourselves and, and not worry about like, well, I don't want to say something offensive and this is the way Iskand always did. And this is what Prabhupada said and what Prabhupada did. I'm not trying That's to discount new... what Prabhupada said or did, yeah. but I'm also, I, I think we, we, I would like to see us pushing, you know, forward in like examining some of that stuff with a little bit of objectivity and a little bit of kind of what, what they sometimes call critical reflexivity, right? The ability to like self critique, mm. to be like, what is an outsider here when they hear this? I may hear Prabhupada or so-and-so saying this and I may contextualize it and I may accept it and I may even appreciate it. Right. What is the other person hearing? Um, I, I agree with that. I agree with that. But I also don't want to take it too far. Some people take it too far where it's like way too much, like looking at what the other person's hearing way too much that it it becomes something else than what it was meant to be. Like it's it's morphed into something that's completely different from what it originally was, which I don't think is right. Yeah. I think that uh, I think that we do need to cater even that word is kind of weird. I think we do need to like make it so it's acceptable or comfortable or whatever to people, but at the same time, not relevant also that's relevant, but at the same time, not change it too much that we're like, like giving up ourselves, like giving up our, our identity as, as, you know, as, you know, ISKCON devotees, Prabhupada's movement. Sure. Yeah, and 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 you know it's a it's a, a larger topic, right? So, oh yeah, that's so a topic in itself. Maybe we can talk you know in more detail about that. I would love to have a little bit more of a. I feel like we're we're um, just like with with so much like with so many things. I feel like we're so aligned. Yeah, that it's beautiful and it's it's like like I love you so much. Like it's wonderful to have that kind of connection, that friendship with you. That like yeah. even goes beyond our like in law relationship through right. you know through Kashangi. Um, but also, it's like really fun when we don't see eye to eye. And like, yeah, of course, hundred so percent. Really, I, I would really, really love to explore that. Yeah. Um, let me just put this out there, just maybe even as a teaser, um, and it's something I've been actually reflecting on a lot these days. I agree with you, in in terms of like, yeah, yeah, that there's something troubling, and and there's something um, very even I'll even say scary about this kind of like you know, morphing, um, morphing the message into something else to accommodate, to please, to, to, um, you know, to, to, to win praise or whatever, yeah. or to avoid criticism. Um, what I've been reflecting on lately, and it's, it's a little rough. So, so, you know, it's going to sound a little stream of consciousness here, but often when that happens, I think, when you scratch a little bit like more, you know, when you, when you dig a little bit deeper um, and scratch beneath the surface, often the problem that's happening there is 
someone is taking, let's say, like in, in this case, since we since we sort of started it, let's let's say like Prabhupada, like someone is taking, you know, a very heavy statement that Prabhupada makes, let's mm, say, mm. right? Um, and that person is taking that statement and going like, oh, what do I do to this? How do I like disguise this? How do I like smooth it out and like, right? Like, how do I how do I mess with this so it's like socially acceptable and so I can like dodge a bullet, right? And I think we've all like, if we're being honest with ourselves, maybe we've all been in situations where like a part of us, maybe we're kind of doing that because we do have to dodge bullets sometimes, right? Or yeah. it feels that way. Yeah. I feel like that's qualitatively and energetically very, very different and, and therefore produces a very different outcome than when someone approaches it like, here is a statement, here is this wisdom. I'm going to hear it. I am going to internalize it. Mm. I'm going to assimilate it. Mm. I'm going to chew on it. I'm going to ruminate. I'm going to really try to like figure out not just, you know, I'm going to try to avoid either extreme. One extreme being Prabhupada said it. It's true. Jai Hari Bol. End of story. Turn off mind. Turn off intelligence. Right. Mm -hmm. um, hey, in some circles, that's considered like the process. Uh -uh, ain't working for me anymore. Right. Like right. I'm not just going to turn off critical faculty. Um, and I, I don't want to expect other people to do that either. So mm. that's one extreme. I'm going to avoid that extreme. I'm also going to avoid the extreme of like, you know, reading this statement, these statements only with my head, only with my Scott, like my academic hat on, I'm going to like avoid that temptation, to like deconstruct the hell out of it. And just, right. I'm going to try to find that space of like reading it with my mind, my intelligence, but also with my heart. Yes. What does Krishna want to tell me in this moment? What is Krishna empowered Srila yeah. Prabhupada to speak in this? Yeah. Where do I agree and align? Where is there some dissonance? Where is that dissonance coming from? That's hard work. I'm yeah. not saying it's easy. But when we do that, right, and and um, the sort of the classical Vedantic terminology for that is called mananam. Mm, mananam, yeah. So it starts with shravanam. When we, when we take that shravanam, that hearing or reading, and then we go into that space of mananam, we're doing that, like ruminating, right? Sachinandan Swami likes to talk about how it's like chewing, mm. right? To digesting, chewing. Like, digestion begins in chewing your food, right? Yeah. So it's like chewing on it, digesting it on all these different levels. Mm. Um, and then there's an even deeper level in Vedanta called Nididhyasanam. And Nididhyasanam is, it, it's explained in different ways by, by, you know, different teachers. But essentially my understanding at least is it's like, it's a kind of like going from like, that mananam of like deep introspection and, and like ruminating on it to like, what am I supposed to do with this? What is the essence of this that I can then apply in my life? Right? Yeah. Like, how is this going to show up for me? How can it show up for others? Mm. When we go through that process, I don't know if I'm convinced, but at least my strong feeling is when we go through that process, then when it's, when it's our time to share it with someone else, to speak it in a class, to articulate it, to write it, to post it on social media, whatever, whether it's something as as seemingly casual as a Facebook update or whether it's like, you know, literally publishing books mm. and everything in between. We're going to be able to do that in a way that is more likely to speak to people where they are, to touch hearts, which like that is what bhakti is supposed to be doing. Yeah. Um, and it's a whole other conversation, but like, I am firmly, firmly convinced that if we're not touching hearts, if we're not connecting on the heart level, 
we're doing something that looks like bhakti and that sounds like bhakti, but is not bhakti proper. Um, and I, I think there's some shastric sort of foundation for that. Mm-hmm. But I think that will happen. It will happen in a way that is attractive to thoughtful people, that is resonant and relevant to thoughtful people, that is not sort of overlaid with 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 so much stuff that's going to like scare them away, and that is going to maintain the integrity and is not going to like water it down, diminish it, you know, sanitize, whatever. Very well put. Um, if that's not happening, that yeah. that shavanam mananam nididhyasanam, if that's not happening, um, I think we ought to we ought to ask ourselves why isn't that happening, mm. right? Because instead, sometimes, unfortunately, what happens is we go from shavanam to like shav we go like shravanam katanam pastanam, mm. right? And either we are depending on our own sort of ideological inclination, and I know we have mutual friends who fit in both of these camps, and yeah. some of them like freaking kill each other on <laughs> Facebook and like, right? they're like God brother. It's like it's like the Mahabharata. Like, yeah, yeah. Are, like, I'd like to bring all those devotees on. We can talk about you, it. You like that stuff. Um, I get a little queasy when I see like the arrows being fired at each other. Yeah, for being yeah right, but like. But 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 often what happens is, depending on either if we're like you know, like, whatever like you know like Vishnu Das like hypotheticals right pseudonyms, if we're Vishnu Das and our inclination is to be a little bit more on the liberal side, a little bit more on the like social justice side, a little bit more on the, <laughs> then what we're going to do if we're not doing the you know shravanam mananam nididhyasanam if we're not doing that then our inclination is going to be oh I I still want to cut and paste this. Yeah. But now I'm going to have to like figure out how to do this in a way that like I'm going to like kind of massage to get Prabhupada to be the kind of Prabhupada that I want. Like the Prabhupada, Prabhupada 2.0. And then it's like Prabhupada was like a social justice, like, you know, like he was the incarnation of social justice, you know. Yes, yes. And, and it's like, well, you know, kind of it's a stretch, right? It's like, <laughs> yes. but like I'm going to project my own thing. Yes, yes. Um, or if I'm, give me another name, not Vishnu Das, but... Uh... Uh, Krishna Das. If I'm Krishna Das, very clear. If I, <laughs> this is what happens at the end of the pod. You're like, shut up already. Like we're past the hour mark. Okay. If I'm, we're actually an hour forty five. But holy, are you kidding me? Yeah, it's cool. Wow. All right. Sorry, everyone. Sorry, but no, no, it's not sorry. People are listening still. Um, if we're on that Krishna Das side, that maybe our own, for whatever reason, our own inclination, our own ideology, our own nature, right? Sometimes it's just like our yeah. personalities. Yeah. Um, if we're more in that, like, you know, like conservative, say it, loud, say it proud or conservative or pushing back against, right. Or even like I have, I have friends who I don't think are conservative, but they're also like contrarians. Yeah. So because like the, the sort of like right now the like the, like the left is so like amped up and like kind yeah. of like, yeah. you know, um, for some good reasons and some kind of wonky reasons also, yeah. um, I have these friends or like, you know, kind of like acquaintances who are like just to be contrarians, just to be like for the sake of like to yeah. play devil's advocate. They're like, well, actually, no, like Jordan Peterson, blah, blah, blah. Right. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> but depending on where we land, either we're going to do that cutting and pasting in that social just, you know, reforming and, you know, kind of on the sly hiding things and, you know, doing whatever to like project this picture of Bhakti and of Prabhupada in that way. Or, we're going to like go out of our way mm. to be like, I'm going to give you the straight talking Prabhupada with the sledgehammer. And that's like my, you know, it's like Prabhupada smashing. I heard this class the other day. I'm more on that side, by the way. Uh, you know where I'm like, I'm, I'm more with my, uh, my buddy Vishudas over here. Where, 
No, I'm serious. Man. I freaking I like, love this man. But, um, but see, we like, can't hate. E- we don't hate each other. Like, uh, I mean, we're related, but at the same time, uh, like, I don't think Vishnu Das and Krishna Das hate each other. I think it's like they might disagree, and it may him come off that they hate each other. But like, f- let's look at me and you. I might not agree with you on what you're saying from this side, and I'm all I'm on this side, and I'm proud of this side. But it doesn't mean I have to like personally like hate you or block you or defriend you or whatever it is right, you right. know and that's a whole separate topic but. yeah but, but you see what i'm saying and and, and you know I'm, I'm that's why we i wanted to use vishnas and krishnas rather than like actual people because like i'm, I'm trying to like just talk about at, at their worst right? yeah at their worst yeah. at their worst whatever side of the ideological or you know sociological divide you, you're at as a substitute for and again this is like a, a working theory theory in progress so like someone wants to shoot it down like be my guest whatever yeah um but my at least like working theory of it is whatever side of the of the divide you know you happen to to feel drawn to if we're not doing if we're not always endeavoring from like in a very rigorous heartfelt like keeping it real sense to do the hard work of shravanam mananam nididhyasanam Mm. over and over again if we're not doing that before we sit down to the keyboard before we sit down to the the vyasasana or the podcast mic or whatever to speak chances are it's going to be more of that vishnudas krishnadas side of the the story than it is going to be you know what and and here i will use real names um what speaks to me so much about well, about Radhanath Swami yeah. and his presentation of Krishna consciousness, about Sachinandan Swami and his presentation of Krishna, con- Krishna consciousness, about devotees like Radhika Raman Prabhu or or uh, Radha Dasi or, um, I mean, so many, Rukmini Devi, so many who I feel like it's just so apparent in mm. when they speak, when they approach a topic, even if on that particular point I walk away going, I see it a little bit differently. Mm. It doesn't happen often. But they've internalized it. They've ruminated on it. And then they're expressing it. And what they're expressing is is coming so much from that place of like Vigyan. Yes. That like, even if the details, like I'm sure if you sat me and Radhika Raman Prabhu down, like we might find certain places where Shastrakali or sociologically or, you know, personal, whatever, we might disagree. But like, my gosh, I will... And I'm I'm specifically using him as an example because I think he does this so well. Um, I will so much respect and appreciate and be grateful for, um, you know, the the realness mm. of his presentation of, you know, Krishna consciousness of Prabhupada. Mm. Like, I'll be just totally. I mean, I've already said so much on this podcast that yeah. like. At this point, either you need to ban the whole thing, you need to like censor the whole thing, or we're just gonna like. Dandavat still won't share it. I, I don't even. Is Dandavat? St- I see you say that, but I don't know if you, I can't tell if you're like being like sarcastic in that. Growing up, gro- does, does Dandavat still exist? Like I don't know this for a fact. <laughs> I think you're like teasing me. I'm not teasing you. Growing up, Dandavat was like the gold standard for ISKCON news, and I I just want to be on it so bad, and they won't share it because I'm not wearing a tilak, and now I'm not wearing dhoti. Well, have you made Escon News, the Escon News website? Yes, I have. Okay. Well, as one of the, I'm, I'm proud to say, um, for better or for worse, I was part of the team that that you know when I was doing communications work that helped to 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 start 
what would eventually become ISCON News. Really? We were going to call it ISCON News Weekly at a certain point. It's all sorts of interesting history there. Nice. I was envisioning it as like Time Magazine, but that got shot down. Anyway, um, <laughs> but but I think you're doing all right if, if ISCON News is is reporting it. And, and, I want to be folks, on either Sumperdice, uh, it keeps saying like... Sumperdice Scum, I think <laughs> is what it's called, right? Sumperdice Scum. Um, chakra or Dandavats. I believe the correct pronunciation is Chakra. <laughs> Chakra.com. If we're trying to be more Western in our approach, I believe it should be Chakra.com. Oh, man. Okay. And you know, you know, like you're on point when like you get Nam so like, like genuinely in a tizzy that he doesn't like know like which button to press. On no, dude, I've been board. doing that. I've been doing He's that. Going back and forth between like the X-Files one and oh, like the candle God. after. I've been doing that. Okay. Um, but, but we have but, to end. Oh my gosh. <laughs> No, we're just getting started, Nam. We're just getting started. Listen, you say before we started, you said, "Oh, I don't know when I'm going to come back," and this and that. Dude, you're going to come back. This, let's just be real. All right, Krishna willing. I thought you were going to say Krishna West. <laughs> Krishna willing. Krishna willing. I would love to do this again. If your listeners will have me, if you'll have me, totally. Um, we'll have Vishnu Das and Krishna. <laughs> put me right in the middle. <laughs> it's 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 rough, man. I'm not like I'm laughing about it because. Anyway, we'll talk offline about it. I okay. think it's I think it's funny. Fair enough, fair enough. I don't take much seriously anyways, so but anyways, thank you. Let's do quick fire round because I know you wanted to do it. Okay, let's do it. For the favorite three book. people who are still listening. <laughs> I know, right? For you. Favorite book. Right now. Favorite book right now? Living name, Sachinandan Swami. Nice. What's in your bag right now? And if you don't have a bag, if you did have a bag. Feed bag, notebook, and a pen that looks like this. I'm obsessed with these pilot pens now. The one you could see the the what is it called the uh, the ink uh, the ink reservoir. Can you can see it? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, favorite movie of all time. Uh, my favorite movie of all time is probably this Bollywood flick called Anand. That is not like a typical Bollywood movie. Um, it's an old old movie that is. Um, and Amitabh Bachchan, like, fan favorite. Um, it's kind of where he maybe, like, really blossomed into, like, the superstar that he is. And just tells this beautiful story of a friendship that I just love. Nice. If your house was burning down and you could only get three things, what would you take? Krishangi, Shruti, and Mom, probably. <laughs> but thank God I only have, like, one kid, because that would be a real, that'd be like a Sophie's <sighs> Choice kind of deal right oh there. Oh, my God, that's funny. Um... You know, there are a bunch of listeners who are like, what about his deities? I know, right? It's not a fair question, but okay. I just did a podcast with a devotee like two days ago and they asked me that. And I did say, I said deities. I said some Prabhupada books that I have and my bead bag. I didn't say my family. I guess I didn't think of... Anyway. Nice. No. No. It's because... um, it's because like I'm an impersonalist, so I think of my family members as things, but you recognize that they are people that <laughs> eternal, have their own eternal spirit souls. Eternal spirit souls that can find their own way out of the fire. <laughs> Krishna will inspire them from within. Oh my god, that's so funny. All right, that's what that's up with our quick fire round. Okay. VBD, thank you so much, thank man. You, I appreciate man. it. It was a lot of fun. I love this. This is a good such conversation. An, such an honor, man. Such an honor. And I mean that. I know I tease sometimes, but like it's been amazing to see how you've blossomed and how this the whole podcast is Thank you. I know a lot of really amazing people in my life. And I just know of others who like 
who are getting so nourished by this. It's like, really? it's, it's a way for them to, to connect. And, and as you said, to kind of keep it real. And that's such a gift that you're giving to, to so many. Thank you. So, Appreciate it. Just to be a part of it, man. It's a blessing. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, if someone wants to get in touch with you, Facebook, um, not really. I'm, I'm kind of rethinking my whole like, connection to, to Facebook. I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm email. I'm, um, yeah, email's good. Okay. Well, let's do it this way. If someone wants to contact you, they should, um, write to WhatsApp. me personally. WhatsApp. <laughs> let's I'm give me your WhatsApp into, number. I'm turning into like every, like, like uncle from India. <laughs> I will send you so many forwards. Like, <laughs> COVID cures coming your way. Really. Oh my gosh. Um, no, in but, all seriousness, you know, I'm, um, I don't know, man. I'm, I'm, I'm happy to be in touch with folks who want to be in touch, but I'm also like wary about like, I don't just sort of like add people on Facebook who right. I haven't really met in person and sure, sure. have a relationship with, if they, just but, not on social media generally. But, but what I, what I'm getting at is that sometimes my guests, they, they say things that like, that really resonate with someone and they want to like tell you or they want to say, Hey, this is my story. And thank you for saying that or some appreciation or even criticism of what you're saying or, 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 you know, challenges for or sure, whatever. For sure. So if you want to get in touch with VBD message me personally, or, uh, put it in the comments Absolutely. and BBD yeah. will be reading the comments as well. But, uh, thank you everyone. This is episode 28. We've hit an hour and 55 minutes. I don't think we've ever gone this long before with any oh, wow. of podcasts. You to split this or something. I no, don't no, know. no. It's going to be the whole thing on man. This is, this is unfiltered real talk. The late morning program with Namras. I'll leave you with Vishnu John Swami. Thanks. Thank you.